Well, welcome back to Thinking About It. And uh, we are thinking today, Dr. Dave, about another correspondence that I received as a pastor. Um, Not the first time. I think it's probably a common inquiry that pastors are getting these days. Um, An inquiry that uh, might be suspicious, given that uh, we live in a climate where Um, accusations can be made against churches who have a particular stand with respect to sexuality. Yes. Even the possibility of criminal accusations, if we're not careful. So uh, we weren't surprised when I got a a letter of inquiry asking about Grandview, for instance, and are we the kind of church that uh, would welcome a friend uh, who identifies in one of the many... Uh, sexual preferences that are out there and basically asking if we were affirming, if we were welcoming, if we were the kind of church that he would visit. Um, I appreciate that this inquiry is inevitable, probably a trap. I'm reminded that Jesus was set up on many occasions to ensnare him and he didn't always run away from it. And to be silent, sometimes he responded with a question. Uh, So I had to think about this, chatted with some of my friends, and I thought it'd be a good thing to bring up with you, Dr. Barker, um, because you live in the same world that I do. And how does the church market itself as a loving, welcoming place for sinners who are broken, and yet, at the same time, celebrate the life that we have in Christ, the dignity that we have. Um, how, do we, how do people hear that who are committed to their orientation or their disorientation, as I call it? Um, but they may genuinely want to run with us or fellowship with us. Or maybe they're just looking for a fight. Um, so how do you, given that it could be a trap, you know, how do you respond to those kinds of people who are trying to do to you what the Pharisees and others try to do with Jesus? Mm-hmm. And I, I have responded, and I can maybe share that, but uh, I just thought it would be very good because a lot of our listeners, if they haven't already got such an inquiry, they will. Mm -hmm. So in just a few minutes, what kind of wisdom can we conjure up? Yeah. Um, And it is, frankly, now, there is some biblical conviction going on here, and we need to be very quick to affirm what we believe about sexuality, about marriage, um, and those kinds of things which we would articulate as being basically the traditional view of the church, of scripture, heterosexual, uh, binary, uh, that kind of thing. Um, it's interesting in your, in your little introduction there, you use, you kind of combine two words, welcoming and affirming. And uh, I think there's a distinction between those two words. I, I don't think that we're going to stand at the door and say to anyone who comes among us, you are not welcome here unless there's some reason for saying that, that is, that's outside the conversation that we're having right now. Um, but to say, 
that in welcoming, we are automatically affirming. I think that's a very different, uh, different reality. And I think we say we want all people to hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. We want all people to sit under the teaching of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to stand at the door and say you can't come. In fact, um, when I was pastoring, I had for a while <laughs> um, a trans person uh, attend the church. Um, We had some brief conversations at the door, nothing hostile, uh, but eventually, it was was pretty arm's length, but eventually they kind of faded off the scene and and they they disappeared. Um, But I wasn't going to stand at the door and say to this person, uh, you're not welcome here. I wanted him to come, her to come. Um, So I I think, first of all, I think we need to get on the table that we're, we're talking the difference between welcoming and affirming. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you have to start. Did I say that in my intro? Well, you put the two words together, but no, you didn't say that, that they're the same. But I, I just, I, I, th- I think that uh, we have Every to. Every word matters, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> and so it's just the, those two words were used in the same sentence. Right. Not, not to say the same thing, but they're used in the same sentence. So. I just, that, that is, to me, that's a starting point. But that's what they're looking for. That's what this individual said. Are you affirming? Are you welcoming? They put those two things yeah, together. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm responding the way that I am. Exactly. Right. So how do you, so what are some ways to respond? One way is not to respond at all. Right. Right. Just ignore it. There are inquiries that we get that aren't worth a response. Right. Um, is this one of them? Uh, what would be the the advantage of not responding to that do you think any oh i sure you you avoid the controversy and you avoid the uh the the rabbit hole that you might wind up going down because it's a because i think it's a trap i'm pretty sure it's a trap sure so it's good to avoid traps right but yeah and you know even scripture we got the proverb in proverb in proverbs 26 verse 4 don't answer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, of course, in verse five, it says answer. So it's interesting yeah. how those two proverbs uh-huh. stand side by side, right? It's a wisdom choice. Um, but yeah, if you're going to get, if you know you're going to get sent down a rabbit hole or you're going to be, you're going to get quoted and taken out of context, uh, what your response, you know, is going to be used as ammunition against you. Nah, just, you just got to right. walk away. But I'm always thinking that um, unbeknownst to the inquirer, who may on the outside have this um, adversarial tone. Mm-hmm. In the inside, as a pastor, I'm always thinking, is, is God at work in his heart? Is this a, a pre-converted apostle Paul? And if something wise and compassionate and truthful were to be said to him, would it bring about uh, a stirring in his soul to seek the truth? I'm always hoping for that. So I want to answer in a way that won't just shut them up, but in a way that will communicate uh, the, the values that we have here as a family. We are welcoming. We are loving. We're everything that you want, right? But we also are um, a gathering of, of people who need Jesus because we're fallen and we're being restored. And that means something different for everybody. So I'm happy to say uh, you're just like the rest of us. You're welcome to come and follow after the Lord Jesus and experience the life he has to give. So that's kind of where I went 
with the response that I gave. I tried to win him. Isn't but that and, and I commend you. I I I think that's exactly the right thing to do. Because let's face it, that's our that's who we are as pastors. That's our it's not just our job. It's why we're in the in in the in the task, mm-hmm. in the mission, in the vocation. We we believe in this. So if we're convinced that something is going to be, it, we are getting trapped, is going to be used against us in some negative way, then yeah, certainly by it is it is the time to keep quiet. But if there's a sense that there is a redemptive, mm-hmm. a possible redemptive, now I think you know in our conversation prior to the to the podcast, you talked about the fact that you had actually you had responded to him, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, from what I understand, the conversation was rather interesting, mm-hmm. perhaps misunderstood, but it wasn't hostile. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, that's a good sign in my view. Yeah, I initially wanted just to talk with him personally. Yeah. Uh, he said, why can't you just answer on an email? What's the matter? You know, what, what am I not getting here? And so this, obviously, this is just another sign of entrapment. But, you know, Jesus in his encounters with similar individuals said things that came back to haunt him if I, that's probably not the best word but it was used against him mm-hmm. right you said that you would build the temple in three days you destroy it and build it in three days and they spun that and actually they came to some pretty right conclusions they just didn't like the conclusions uh, but it it became very awkward for Jesus to say the least when they recalled these conversations. So I, I don't want to run away from that. I, I want to be open to some awkward things to be misquoted. Mm. I think that's part of it. Um, so I did everything I could in this response um, to say things that are true, but to encourage him to come and experience. Uh, you'll know better um, how you think after you've been here and you've met our people and seen the joy in their face and heard maybe a mediocre to good sermon, I hope, and then then we can talk about it. But here's the interesting thing that I'm going to have to live with. In my response, as charitable as I was, he chose to um, interpret it as because we're welcoming and uh, I'm well, just not affirming him, but I'm welcoming him. Uh, he chose to equate that with affirming. Yes, that was my point at the beginning of this conversation. So right. he's going to, and he made that choice. I didn't say that, right? Um, I think this is just part of uh, this, the entrapment strategy, he wanted me to bite. And so I didn't bite. So he's now of the mind that I'm affirming. I don't think he really is, but that's, the line that mm. he wants to give. So I just hope that at some point I don't hear yes. that in some private correspondence I've had with an inquirer that I said, we're affirming. Yeah. But that might happen, you know, and I think that we should expect to be misunderstood at times. It's better than, in my view, not saying anything. We'll find out. Yeah. But I like yeah. what Sam Albury has said. I've been quoting Sam a lot lately and I, I keep saying to the church, it's the last time you're going to hear a Sam Albury-ism. But uh, Sam, as you know, has dealt with same-sex attraction. He's quite happy in his relationship to Jesus. Uh, Feels that marriage 
is really a foreshadow of the intimacy with Jesus. So he just bypasses marriage and goes all the way to Jesus and is happy in that. It's a remarkable insight. But he did say that um, people in that community who have a fallen view, a sinful view of their sexuality, need to know that they're no different than anyone else. Everyone gets treated the same. Sin is sin. We're all struggling with something. It's when they are separated as a, as a unique kind of sinner mm-hmm. um, that is needless. We don't need to say that, right? Uh, we all have sin. In fact, in Romans, Paul deals with homosexuality, but then towards the end of his uh, explanation, he throws in all these other sins, hating parents and so on, as if to say those might be worse. I, I Maybe. But the fact that he ends with that is very interesting. So I'm inclined to agree with uh, Sam that the best thing we can do is to say, you need to repent like the rest of us. We're all sinners and we need Jesus. So join the crowd. I hope it works, Dave. I hope that we can continue to be a church that... um, like in Acts 2, they were well thought of, right? They gathered together and outsiders uh, were added to them because of just the joy that they had. And it, and it is interesting, in First Timothy 3, one of the qualifications of a pastor, uh, of a church leader, is to be well thought of in the, in the broader community, right? So that's certainly a factor that plays into all of this. We just, at the same time, we don't want to get engaged in bait and switch, right? And we don't want to send a false message and then kind of backdoor them. What would that look like? Well, just saying, yeah, you're welcome, you're welcome, and and kind of leave a message hanging that we're affirming, um, and then kind of backdoor them later on. Um, I I think that's not fair. Like, you want to know if we're affirming? Yes, we're affirming. We are affirming your original designed identity in Christ. Not that we're going to say that, but we'll say, yeah, we are affirming, but knowing that our meaning is different from theirs. Yeah, and that's fine as long as you make that very clear. But if you just use the language, it's not fair. Because they're going to find out. Exactly, and that's bait and switch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, there's this amazing tension between come one, come all, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, there's some very clear moral and ethical standards that we have articulated in Scripture through Jesus, through the Apostle Paul, uh, through, the, through the entire Scriptures that um, really uh, create boundaries for us. Mm-hmm. And those boundaries are set in the character and loneliness and grace of God. And I don't think we need to be afraid to affirm those boundaries. Well, Dr. Dave, that's all the time we have left. We hope we've been helpful. Until next time, we'll see you at Thinking About It. Thanks for thinking.